Good evening. You're listening to WNUR 89.3 FM, HD1, Evanston, Chicago. I'm Ilse von Heimberg, and this is WNUR News at 6. Tonight, a taste of Chicago Restaurant Week, Chicago Theater Week 2024, a way to feed your soul, and how fans stay loyal to historically bad teams. Those stories and more coming up. From Northwestern University, this is WNUR News at 6. As Chicago Restaurant Week unfolds, Ari Burnett gives you the inside scoop. Happy and healthy Chicago Restaurant Week to all who celebrate. This two and a half week adventure from January 19th to February 4th brings foodies to explore over 400 restaurants, spend time with family, and of course, make plenty and plenty of reservations. How many reservations do you have for restaurant? Uh, about eight. That's Sayash Singal. We are seated next to each other at Mediterranean restaurant Avec in the West Loop. Singal, his partner Disha Manbakar, and I debriefed our Avec experience. Well, I like the like different options that they have. It's very flavorful. And I like how they have like a combination of like a lot of vegetarian options. Because he my partner, he's vegetarian, and so we wanted to look at like restaurants that have like a good mix of that. And then I like how they have like both savory and sweet options too for brunch. Having options and flexibility, especially during restaurant week, is what manager Eric of One Off Hospitality says Avec is known for. Usually some restaurants have been in full participation is required because logistically that makes things run smoother, but we're able to uh, give people more options. Eric says being able to opt in or out of restaurant week accommodates all types of eaters. When it comes to accessibility, cost is at the forefront of college students' minds. I think for me it's about A, the experience, and B, the increased accessibility on like a smaller scale. It's not necessarily making it, oh my goodness, everyone can afford this dinner, but for a student who wouldn't want to spend over $100 on a meal, like cutting that in half is a big deal. That's Jess Bradford. She's a junior studying economics and political science at Northwestern. She explains the breakdown for prices during Chicago Restaurant Week while acknowledging it's still out of a lot of student budgets, but it does make it more feasible. So most places either offer $25 brunch or lunch and then either $42 or $59 dinner, and that's not including tax and tips. So it's not like a cheap meal, but I think that if you're looking at the price point for some of these restaurants to begin with, like the average entree might already be somewhere between $30 to $40. So being able to have an appetizer, entree, and dessert for $59 is a good deal. Bradford also happens to be the vice president of Spoon, Northwestern's most prominent food publication. The magazine's goal is to increase visibility to restaurants. In terms of Spoon, we want to highlight it for our students. So we have a post up that's kind of talking about different places that we recommend. And then a lot of our kind of individual team members are going to go out and eat because they're foodies and we'll get to post about it. Spreading awareness to restaurants does not go unnoticed by business owners. I chatted with manager Carlos Alvarez from Mexican restaurant La Victoria, which opened last June. Restaurant Week actually highlighted us as, as the top 20 restaurants to try in Chicago. So for us, it was great. It definitely makes a huge difference, not only in revenue for those two and a half weeks, but also in the fact that it, it, it actually gives us a lot more exposure to people that we normally wouldn't be able to reach. Chicago Restaurant Week is more than just food. It's about creating a vibe. Alvarez says his restaurant, located in Logan Square, takes Mexican street food and curates a casual vibe. 
We want the food to actually shine and to be able to provide people with um, that experience. Uh, if you've never been to Mexico, then when you walk through our doors, you, you get a little taste of that. Vibes created through food is what makes Chicago Restaurant Week so special. So for foodies and connection seekers all across the North Shore, Bradford says Chicago Restaurant Week is for all of us. Restaurant Week is about, you know, connecting with people and trying new food. So I recommend everyone checking it out. This is Ari Burnick reporting from WNUR News. So these past two weeks, Chicago got its chance to eat its heart out with Restaurant Week. Coming up soon is another Chicago tradition. Chicago Theater Week allows community members to indulge in the city's elite and expansive art scene at a much lower cost. And it's an opportunity Northwestern students should not pass up. Michelle Huang has the story. Close to a major American city means we students get access to a premier and incredibly diverse world of arts, cuisines, and cultures. Chicago Restaurant Week, a celebration of the city's premier culinary scene through prefixed brunch, lunch, and dinner menus, wraps up this weekend. Right on its tail is Chicago Theater Week. From February 8th to February 18th, Community members are able to experience performances at theaters across the city for a reduced ticket price. The shows range from musicals to comedy to drama, and all tickets are $30 or less. Chicago is this really incredible place for theater, and part of it is because it's a, it has a, a, a relatively, compared to some of the other big cities, a relatively low cost of living. So it's a lot easier for artists, theater artists, to live here and, and make a life here. And the city thinks, is really proud of, of Chicago theater. And so they have wanted to help market that. And, and so this Chicago Theater Week is it's this opportunity to really get in and see a bunch of different theaters uh, at a much reduced ticket price so that you you can get a sense of all the amazing things that are that are happening on stages across Chicago. That was David Catlin, an associate professor in Northwestern's theater department and co-founder of the Looking Glass Theater Company. According to Catlin, this annual Chicago tradition is an opportunity to get involved in some of the talent-filled art going on within the city. Even more generally, it's an opportunity to get lost in a storyful world. I, I'm somebody who loves stories. I love reading books. I love getting caught up in a book and getting lost in it, right? But to me, th theater is like that, except that instead of being alone reading, which is sometimes really nice, right? To be by yourself and read and not have to be an extrovert, but, but it's also really great to go into a theater and have this whole other world come alive in front of you. For Northwestern students, theater can be a captivating way to escape the stress of the quarter system and our demanding schedules. It can be a way to put aside our studying and, for a moment, immerse ourselves in something different, something that expands our minds beyond this campus. It could be something that's really fun and silly, or it could be something that's thought-provoking that you can begin to make connections to, to some of your coursework, some of the things that your professors are saying, some of the things that, that you, students have been talking about on campus. Catlin specifically highlights Antigone, 
which is presented by Court Theater during Chicago Theater Week. Antigone is the third Greek tragedy in the Oedipus trilogy written by Sophocles. And just thinking about Antigone, uh, some of our work leads us to reading classic texts. And, um, and so to be able to see a play that was originally by Sophocles done in a kind of a new way at court theater and done really well could be inspiring and, and, and make you think about it, think about some of those classics in a different, different way. Despite the magnitude of this opportunity and everything theater has to offer, Chicago Theater Week remains relatively unknown, at least to Northwestern students. We eat three, two or three times a day, and so, so food is more immediate on our mind, um, whereas theater is not necessarily. I do think that theater is essential, um, that, it, that it feeds the soul instead of the, st the stomach. Um, so I hope that it will gain the same kind of prominence. June Park is a second year studying political science and international studies. He came across Chicago Theater Week while looking at menus for Chicago Restaurant Week. Now, he says, he plans on going to a show or two. I'm thinking of going to the Sungjin Cho's concert, possibly on the 8th or on the 10th with the CSO. Or I might go to one of the musical, or I might even go to the, the Blue Man groups. Because uh, in general, I like watching musicals and I like performers. So I think this is a good opportunity to watch those shows at a very reasonable price. For anyone planning on taking their first steps into the theater world, Catlin suggests that Theater Week is a great opportunity to do so. He also recommends that students go to see whichever shows they feel pulled to without inhibitions. Whatever looks good to you, Try it, um, especially now because the, the price is completely reasonable. And, and theaters, you know, sometimes it's, it can be, it can feel like, oh, theater, it's, it's this hoity-toity, I've got to dress up, or it's this really formal thing, but it's not. And theaters want young audiences. They want people um, who are your age and to be there. They, they want you to be there. There shouldn't feel like there's this barrier of this fancy cultural elitism. It, it is not that way at all. There's still more than a week left until Chicago Theater Week begins. So dear Northwestern community, what are you waiting for? Go and get your tickets. As Catlin says, this is a chance for us to activate the empathy centers in our hearts and brains and and enjoy that and, and have it not be a solitary experience, but a communal experience where we're laughing together, where we start breathing together, we, we sometimes gasp together. And all of that I think is just, to me, that's why theater is essential. That's how it feeds the soul, is that we are, we are together as a group experiencing a story, being moved by it, being changed by it, being empowered by it. For WNUR News, I'm Michelle Huang. Many Lions fans were frustrated not to see their team in the Super Bowl this year. But how have their fans stayed loyal through so many losing seasons? Gabe Shumway has the story. Detroit, stand up! You've waited for this! One Proud Nation, stand up! You've waited for this! That was Detroit Lions play-by-play -play announcer Dan Miller after a monumental win against the Rams. A playoff win to be exact in just their second in the Super Bowl era.
they followed it up with another win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on January 21st. However, they eventually fell to the 49ers last Monday. I've watched them blow so many leads. I've watched them snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. That's Medill sophomore and lifelong Lions fan David Sampson. He watched the Lions every Sunday with his father growing up. While the lack of recent success before this year was glaring, Sampson has maintained hope. I don't care what anyone else thinks. We're going to watch the Lions every Sunday, even if they lose, and maybe they'll win this time. But there are other franchises that have struggled to win championships for years. In the NBA, the Sacramento Kings haven't won in over 70 years. In the NHL, the Toronto Maple Leafs have gone 55 years without a title. Over in the MLB, the Seattle Mariners are the only franchise to never even make a World Series appearance. I'm the odd one out, but personally, I kind of like it. That's high school senior Aiden Sones, who, despite living in Connecticut, is a longtime Mariners fan. Although the Mariners aren't known for successful championship runs, Sones still gravitated toward them. And when I was young, I always had a fascination for the Mariners. I don't know if it's because it was the team colors or I just love the city of Seattle in general. But I just like felt a connection with this team. That initial spark was not what carried his fandom through the years, however. Following the Mariners became much more about the team than the city or colors. But now it's much more than that. Now it's about the people on the team and following them for about a decade, I'd say. Despite the failure to make a Super Bowl or World Series, an intense loyalty remains. But how exactly does this form and remain so strong through the years? Like it's tradition that's been passed on. Like, I, like, yeah, definitely it's been tough sometimes when you watch them lose over and over again, but I couldn't imagine, like, rooting for another team. Uh, I'm a huge minor league baseball fan, and when I hear that the farm system from the Mariners was, like, ranked top three for, like, for the past like three or four years, it definitely gives me more hope to the team every single year. The concept of fan allegiance has developed into a psychological phenomenon. In a piece for psychologicalscience.org, author Shirley Wong cites social connectedness and fan experience as two major contributors. Fans attend sporting events for the experience, knowing their team may not win. On top of that, being a fan of a team, perennial champions or not, is a key part of a person's identity. Fans associate themselves with the ups and downs of a team alongside a group of like-minded people. However, that doesn't mean fans aren't rooting for their team's victory. But when will these historically struggling teams have their time to earn a championship? Are fans hopeful for a title to come soon? I'm actually extremely hopeful. I am hopeful. But again, this past decade, I was hopeful. Hope for a better year next year is a key factor that keeps fans coming back. While the Lions season may be over, there is always 2025. And for the rest of those teams stuck in a championship drought, they've got this season to capitalize. For WNUR News, I'm Gabe Shumway. Northwestern winter sports continue to stay active through the hearts of their seasons. Brendan Prizman has the sports report. Hi, I'm Brendan Prizman. Here's your NU sports report for this week. Northwestern men's basketball continues to tear through January. Over the last week, 
the team won both its games to move to 15-5 overall and 6-3 in conference play. Against 10th-ranked Illinois last Wednesday, the Wildcats won a thrilling overtime victory, 96-91. Star guard Boo Booey scored 29 points, and co-star Brooks Barnheiser added 23. The Wildcats shot 51% from the field and 61% from three-point range as a team, and that hot shooting propelled them to their best scoring total of the year. When the dust settled, the Wildcats had felled a top-10 team for the second time this season. The good times only continued against Ohio State. The Wildcats smothered the Buckeyes and held them to just 58 points, pulling away for an easy 83-58 victory. Bowie again was the offensive star, scoring 19 points and chipping in 5 assists, but he didn't do it alone. Five other Wildcats also had 10 or more points. Bowie earned his second Big Ten Conference Player of the Week award thanks to his strong showings. He has also been announced as a finalist for the Bob Cousy Award, given to the nation's best point guard. Northwestern is looking to keep the hot streak going right now in a road affair against second-ranked Purdue. Unfortunately, times have been much tougher for the women's team. After last week, their losing streak now stands at four games, and their next matchup is against third-ranked Iowa. The team lost at home to Penn State, 76-65, on Thursday, and on the road against Indiana this weekend, 100-59. The team has struggled defensively all season, and Big Ten play has only exacerbated those problems. On the bright side, the team's rebounding prowess has improved. They've grabbed 30 rebounds or more in six of their last seven contests. In fencing, the Wildcats raced through the DeSico duels this weekend. They faced off against Detroit Mercy, Denison, Cleveland State, Number 2 Notre Dame, Wayne State, and Lawrence. The team won a perfect 6-0 overall and 17-1 across all weapons. Against the Fighting Irish, who hosted the event, the Wildcats took Epe and Sabre by scores of 6-3 and 5-4, respectively. The 15-12 total win was the second win Northwestern achieved over Notre Dame in the last two seasons. Northwestern's Sabre squad was excellent all day, with six players all finishing the duels with undefeated records. The squad was led by Megumi Oishi, who finished 8-0, and Amy Liu and Sky Miller, who both went 7-0. Against the non-Notre Dame opponents, the Wildcats were absolutely dominant. In each of the other five matches, Northwestern won at least 20 individual matchups while holding their opponents to under seven individual wins. They'll be back in action this weekend when they host the Northwestern Duels in Ryan Fieldhouse taking on six ranked opponents. That concludes your NU Sports Report for this week. For more information about upcoming games, as well as how you can watch the Wildcats live, visit www.nusports.com. I'm Brendan Prizman, WNUR News. Now for a brief look at the forecast. Tomorrow, it will be partly cloudy with a high of 48 degrees and a low of 36. Moving into the weekend, it'll be cloudy and slightly chillier on Friday with a high of 40 and a low of 34. But the sun will come out again on Saturday with a high of 41 and a low of 31. It looks like sunny skies ahead for the coming week. Taking a look into the headlines in Evanston, Chicagoland, and across the nation and globe, the theme of the 52nd Dillo Day, Camp Dillo, was announced today. Northwestern student-run music festival will take place on May 18th. Evanston Labs, downtown's newest high-rise, is almost complete. The building will house labs and office space in an effort to introduce the life sciences industry to the city. Chicago City Council has passed a Gaza ceasefire resolution. 
the resolution passed after Mayor Johnson delivered a tie-breaking vote. Tech CEOs of Meta, TikTok, Snap, Discord, and X testified before Congress today about online child safety. Lawmakers and families have protested the lack of child safety measures on social media. Particularly troubling were Meta documents that valued the lifetime value of a teen user at $270. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on X at WNUR News and Instagram at WNUR News 893. You can listen to these and other WNUR News stories on our website, WNURnews.org. That's WNURnews.org. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our producer today is Georgia Kerrigan, and our reporters are Ari Bernick, Michelle Huang, Gabe Shumway, and Brendan Prizman. I'm Ilsa von Heimberg. Catch our next newscast Friday, February 2nd. Now, back to scheduled programming.